Welcome to Inside Hogwarts, a Harry Potter podcast made by kids for kids. I'm Daisy. I'm Mon. And I'm Sophie. And today we're talking about Chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Quidditch. So let's start with the chapter. Yes. So when November started, it became very cold. The ground was covered in ice every morning, and you could see Hagrid defrosting broomsticks on the Quidditch field every morning. Um, So these descriptions, I noticed J.K. Rowling is really good at doing these descriptions that, like, start at the beginning of the chapter, described, like, the setting of the castle and the environment and the weather. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what are your favorite time of year descriptions in Harry Potter? So Halloween, fall, Christmas, winter, spring, because they don't do summer descriptions. I'm going to say winter. Winter? All right, Yvonne. Oh, or feast, because they also do feasts, like describing all the food. Feast. Mine is also feast. I love when they describe all the food out on the tables. Um, <laughs> our dog is, like, pawing at the door she wants in. Um, so that Saturday, Gryffindor would be playing their first Quidditch match against Slytherin, and whoever won, whoever won would move into second place for the house championship. And I said, this makes no sense. If the... If this is the first game of the season, wouldn't they go into first place? So my idea is what would probably, in my mind, I think what would happen is whoever whoever won would go into first place. And the next time when Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw play, whoever wins, whoever, so let's just say Slytherin wins and then Ravenclaw wins. So whoever has the most points would go into first place. Right? Yeah. So, doesn't it make... Because it says they would move into second place. Doesn't it make more sense that they would move into first? Wait, but but did it say that this was the very first Quidditch match of the season? I don't think it said it was the first Quidditch match of the season, but it didn't say if and This Hufflepuff, was probably the second, huh? Yeah, but, like... But wouldn't it be point-based even then? Oh, so, it wouldn't yeah. be definite? That, yeah, that would be definite. I don't know. But that's just my idea on how that would work. So almost no one had seen Harry play because Wood wanted him to be their secret weapon. The lose, the news leaked out somehow, and Harry didn't know if it was first to have people telling tell him that he would be brilliant or that they would be running under him holding a mattress. And I said, So what do you guys think? What would what would you think of Harry being the new seeker without having seen him play? Would you guys be one of the people that said he would be brilliant, or would you say that they would you would be running beside him holding a mattress. Okay, um, I would think that he would be brilliant. But I'd also be pretty angry since first years aren't allowed to do Quidditch. What do you think? I would also be angry because first years aren't allowed to do Quidditch and because they don't get to see him play a lot. I mean, yeah, they did get to see him dive down and then catch something yeah pretty small but otherwise i think he's i feel like a year above harry would be pretty annoyed especially if they like tried out for quidditch and they didn't get in and then Uh, but sophie uh would you be one of the people thinking he was brilliant or holding matters i'm in between both i would probably say he would be brilliant because like i mean he is good but they need to see more yeah um 
So it was lucky that Harry had Hermione as a friend because she helped him get through his homework and she let him quidditch through the ages, which Harry liked. And I said, what a nice friend. (laughs) Hermione was now more relaxed about Harry and Ron breaking rules. The day before the Quidditch match, Hermione conjured a blue fire that could be carried in a jar, which they used to which they were using to get warm when they saw Snape cross the field. They moved so that Snape could not see the jar, but he came over anyway and made Harry give him Quidditch to the ages because it's not allowed outside of the school. Harry said he just made that rule up, and I said, sassy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Stop saying that. they They all noticed that Snape was limping and wondered why. That night, Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat by the windows in the common room while Hermione checked Harry and Ron's charms homework harry told ron and hermione that he was going to go and ask snape if he could have quidditch to the ages back would you guys do that i would be way too scared of snape to do yeah, that i'd be way too scared of snape he's like, like 10 points from gryffindor yeah um no i'd go you'd go yeah yeah i don't i definitely would not go i'd be way too scared that I mean, snape would take points it depends on how good the book is because he started to read it so if it well was- he said he liked it Yeah, then I'd go. If I was Um, Harry. Yeah. So Harry went down to the staff room, knocked, and there was no answer. He pushed the door open slightly to see if Snape had left the book in there. Why would he push the door open? I mean, you don't do that. You knock, and if they don't answer, you leave. Wait, is he out of his common room at night? Is it like this? No, I think it's like afternoon, evening. So I think he's still. Yeah, he's still allowed to be out. Um,. He saw Snape and Filch. Snape was holding his robes above his knee, and one of his legs was bloody and mangled. Wow. And I okay, so spoiler. This is a spoiler. Did he really not know how to get past Fluffy? Fluffy. It's Did not really a spoiler because uh, they learn about Fluffy. Later oh, true. In okay. Well. Yeah. How, did he seriously not know how to get past Fluffy? I mean. Oh, jeez. Um, my, I think that possibly. He didn't know because it's a different teacher's enchantment, but I still think it would have made the most sense if Dumbledore had told all of the faculty well, we how to should, get... We all should know. We should all know, but, you know, he wasn't. Okay, well, but <laughs> everyone's probably already read the book okay. listening to this anyway. So. I don't... Well, I think he might have tried... Oh, I don't know. I think it just makes more sense to me if there had been, like, a faculty, like, alert, like, telling them all how to get past the enchantments in case somebody got past and they had to go chase someone down. Yeah. Um, oh. It um, makes more sense. I don't think he has because even though the teachers put enchantments on all sorts of parts, um... I'm just thinking. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Why would he know how to get past another teacher's enchantment? Like, that's why true. Would you need to know that. I still why think though. Get all the way I still there? think that it just makes the most sense that Dumbledore would have told everyone because if somebody got in there, then you know they would need to go down and you know investigate, maybe catch someone. Yeah, but what but, was the point in telling? What was the point? In telling them if they didn't need to know, if they That's didn't true. need to take what was I don't, yeah, couldn't Dumbledore, Dumbledore clearly didn't it? tell them because Dumbledore, you know yeah, he didn't know how to get past Fluffy. But I just, if I were Dumbledore, I would have told the staff in case they needed to chase someone down, you know, instead of having Harry do it. 
but we'll get into that on like one of the last chapters. Oh my gosh, you just gave this. Um, okay. Away. Anyway, Snape asked Filch how are you how you are supposed to focus on all three heads at once. Oh Snape. <laughs> um Harry Harry quickly tried to close the door, but Snape shouted Potter and dropped his robes to cover his leg. Harry asked if he could have his book back, but Snape yelled for him to get out, and he left before Snape could take any points from Gryffindor. When Harry got back to Ron and Hermione, he told them what had happened. Harry concluded that Snape had tried to get past the three-headed dog at Halloween and that he let the troll in to create a diversion. That's really smart on Harry's part. I mean, he's just a first year. He's a muggle. Well, not not a muggle-born. He's grown up with muggles, and he's already figured out this much Ron and Hermione hadn't even figured this out, and he's, like, already coming up with all these different ideas. Even if they're not true, it's just impressive that he's able to come up with yeah, all well, these things. Yeah, he was really J.K. Rowling. I know, but in the book. They're real to us, okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think so. I think Hermione would have figured it out if she was the one listening, because... Harry didn't only hear see his wound, but he also saw he also heard he had evidence. Yeah, he also heard that Snape said something about the three headed dog. I just so I still think figure, I still think it's out. really smart that he could because I don't think if Seamus had had all this information that he would have been able to figure this out. Same with Neville, same with Dean. Yeah, I don't think other saw other stuff. They I know, I know there was evidence, but I still think that the way that Harry was able to piece it all together. Oh, so you're talking? You you mean if Seamus was in Harry's place? Yes, if Seamus had known all of this, I don't think he would have been able to figure it out because Harry just he's smart. He's able to piece all of the evidence because together. Seamus is Seamus, and Dean is Dean. And and well, if, if if Seamus told Harry or Ron and Hermione. All of that, one of them would have pieced it together. Yeah, but he wouldn't have. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, have. it's just impressive that Harry was able to figure this out when nobody else at Hogwarts probably would have been able to. So, okay. um, let's move on. We've been talking about that for a while. Um, Hermione denied this and said that he would never try to steal something that Dumbledore was trying to keep safe. Ron snapped and said that Hermione thought that all of the teachers were saints. That night, Harry couldn't sleep, but he had he had too much on his mind. The next morning, the Great Hall was full of chatter because everyone was looking forward to a good Quidditch match. Harry couldn't eat anything the next morning, and Seamus told him that he needed to get a strength because the Seeker is always the one that gets clobbered by the other team. Way to make Harry feel better, Seamus. Like, <laughs> that was really positive. Um, at 11 o'clock, it seemed like everyone was in the stands around the pitch. It, is it a requirement to go to the Quidditch game? Like, why would a Ravenclaw want to go to a Gryffindor Quidditch match? Well, like, if I were a I, I could see, because, you know, the Ravenclaws, they're all smart, and, like, they're not very interested. I couldn't see a Ravenclaw being like, I'm going to go to a Gryffindor-Slytherin Quidditch match. Because they like Gryffindor and not Slytherin? But why would they want to even go to the match? Why would they even want to watch Quidditch? So you don't even know that they don't like Gryffindor or Slytherin. Yeah. What do you mean? No, they like. No, Gryffindor. I'm saying. I'm they saying. Always want Gryffindor to win if they no, can't no. win. I'm saying. I'm saying. What? Well, we don't know. Yeah, I'm in. I think it's either in Chamber of Secrets or. In my well, house. I know that in other situations, Ravenclaw has wanted Gryffindor to win. But I'm saying, is it a requirement to go to the Quidditch matches? Because I could see myself if I was at Hogwarts 
not wanting to go to a Gryffindor-Slytherin Quidditch match unless it was a deciding match. It probably is, because most of the staff is there. I know. I just, I don't think it's a requirement, but because, but I think a lot of people would go. I don't think I would go to all of them. I don't think it would be that interesting for me. Unless I was, like, on the team, of course, but I probably wouldn't, so... Um, Ron and Hermione sat with Dean, Seamus, and Neville. They had painted a large banner that said Potter for President that flashes different colors and had a large line head on it. And I said, that's so nice. Um, in the locker room, Harry and the rest of the team changed into their scarlet Quidditch robes. Slytherin would be wearing green. And Oliver Wood cleared his throat for silence. <laughs> okay. Oliver started to make his yearly speech when Fred and George cut in and kept his speech going, even though they weren't supposed to, and told Harry they were they knew it by heart. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, okay, stop. <laughs> Wood finished his speech, and then they walked onto the field to be welcomed by loud cheers. Madame Hooch was refereeing, and she was, and she was talking about how she, she wanted a nice fair game. Wood looked at Flint. Flint? Flint. That's Flint. his last name. Marcus Flint. Yeah. Sounds like Flint. Flint and Steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wood looked at Flint, the Slytherin team captain, as if he had troll blood in it. Harry saw a banner at the corner of his... Oh, wait. That was my part. No, 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 no. I don't know why you put that. It yeah. was probably... It probably said it twice because, like, oh. he noticed it, but then it was there. Okay. The game has started... And the waffle was ready, already taken by Gryffindor team. Jordan, who commentates the games, said this. And the waffle was immediately taken by Angelina Johnson of Gryffindor. What an excellent chaser that girl is, and rather attractive too. Then Professor McGonagall yelled at him for that. His commentating just makes the whole book a lot more funnier. Yeah, it adds some comic relief to the game yes. instead of it just being a bunch of intense stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just adds something. Mm-hmm. The Gryffindor somehow scored after fighting Slytherin for the Quaffle because there was a really long paragraph about how the Quaffle was taken by... Yeah, we're not going to, like, read the book for you guys. You already read the chapter, hopefully. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, Hagrid joined her... Yeah, okay. Um, Hagrid joined Hermione and Ron watching from the stands. He was watching from his hut, but then decided to come up and watch in the stands because it's different from just watching with Hermione and Ron. They were talking about how Harry has not seen the snitch in a while, and all of the people were fighting with the quaffle. Nothing was happening with the snitch. Finally, Jordan was talking about the quaffle going... The waffle? Who put the waffle? Ron! Uh, I, I didn't put waffle. We just keep going. <laughs> And then said he saw the snitch. Yeah, I, I did not put the waffle. The waffle. That was a mistake on her. Keep going. Okay. Harry and the Slytherin Seeker were after it. Flint knocked Harry. It's so hard for me to say his name. because You can't like, speak at all. It reminds me of Flint and Seal, so I want to say, like, what? Okay, keep going. Okay. Flint knocked Harry almost off his broom, and it was a foul on the Slytherin. So much for a nice and clean and fair game. Yes. All right. 
So, during the game, Harry's groom just started to go crazy and zigzag out of control. Uh, Harry's broom gave another jerk, and it nearly throwing him off, uh, near, nearly throwing him off the broom, leaving him dangling by his hands. Hagrid told Harry, Ron and Hermione that nothing but powerful dark magic can interfere with a broomstick. Uh, so Ron and Hermione, uh, through some binoculars, they saw Snape across the field, uh, uh, uttering constantly and, and fo focusing on Harry's broom. So they thought, uh, uh, Hermione thought uh, that Snape was jinxing Harry's broom. So Hermione left to stop Snape while the Weasley twins tried to help Harry. Well, they tried to help him onto their broom, but he just kept rising higher and higher. So they circled under him to try and catch him. Um, and and while no one was looking, Marcus Flint scored five times. I can imagine <laughs> that. He's just like, everyone, look, I'm scoring. <laughs> and so Hermione, she got to the row behind Snape and didn't stop to, didn't stop to say sorry when she not, knocked Professor Quirrell into the row ahead of him. Oh, John. Uh, Hold sorry. on. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Okay, right here, right here. Uh, so she uttered a few words, and bright blue flames shot from her wand to Snape's robes. It took Snape about 30 seconds to realize that he was on fire, and Hermione left. Um, Harry got, got back on his broomstick and started speeding to the ground with his hand over his mouth. He fell to the field on all fours and, and coughed, and something gold fell into his hand. He held it up high and said, and said that he had caught the snitch. Yay! Hooray! And then, after the game, in typical uh, Flint fashion, Marcus complained that he didn't catch the snitch, uh, that he almost swallowed it, but Harry hadn't violated any game rules, so Gryffindor ended up winning with 170 points to 60. Yep. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they went back to Hagrid's hut and told him that it was Snape, and they, sorry, that's sorry. our dog. Uh, <laughs> Harry, Ron, and Hermione went back to Hagrid's hut and told him that it was Snape, and that they know he tried to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween, but it bit him. Uh, Hagrid told them it was none of their business or concern, and said that it was Dumbledore, and it was between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel, and then Harry's like, aha! So uh, someone named huh. Nicholas Hormel in yeah. this. Okay, do you have your book so you can read the last sentence of the chapter? Definitely. Um, and I go... Um, Polly. <laughs> okay. Right there. Hagrid. Okay, so I'm gonna read... Just start, like, here. No, here. Start here. Aha, said Harry. So there's someone called Nicholas Hormel involved, is there? Hagrid looks furious with himself. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to our movie gifts. This time, there's only, like, two, so. Yeah. Sure, but go ahead. At around one hour and 15 minutes, when the Gryffindor team, when the Gryffindor team were walking to Harry's first Quidditch match behind Harry, in the light is a girl with blonde hair. But when they are under the wooden shelter, she has become a girl with brown hair. I think this is a lighting issue, but... 
I don't know. So I'm just going to go with that. Was, I don't know. I think that's just a lighting issue. But uh, I, I think the clawing is extra bad because our dog has a comb. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go. Cute. To read the blue part. Uh, at around 1 hour and 20 minutes during the Quidditch match, after Hermione looks at Snake through the binoculars and says, It's Snake! He's changing the broom! You can see Ron, Ron, housing the lines along with her. Yup. <laughs> okay. Let's take a short ba- break, and we will be right back for our analysis part of the episode. And we're back from our break. Let's go to our analysis part of our episode, which is we're going to be talking about the brand Nimbus. So before we get to that, let's do our Hogsmeade Hogsmeade Journal, Journal. our Harry Potter news. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was named the best and most influential book in the past 30 years by British Book Awards. You can watch J.K. Rowling's acceptance speech in the article. Which is going to be put in the link. Wait, when? how recent was this? It was, like, really recent. It was, like, this week. So, um, there's a new Harry Potter makeup line from Ultimedia. Seriously? Ultimedia. They have house-themed bath bombs, body lotion, cosmetic bags, brush kits, eyeshadow palettes, nail polish, blush, and a lot more. I actually, like, went onto the website and looked at all of it. It's a lot. And they, you can, like, so I'm going to put the link in the description, and they have pictures of pretty much everything they have. They have, like, um, house-themed eyeshadow palettes. They have, like... Um, blush, depending on, like, different characters, so you can look at that. Okay, so uh, that part. You can listen to Matthew Lewis, Helen Howard, and Imelda Staunton. Yeah. Uh, read next week's chapter, The Mirror of Erisite. Erisite. I yeah, always so, call it The Mirror of Arised. No, it's not that. It's it, Erisite. Um, <laughs> so Matthew Lewis, by I just, like, this is extra information about the people that are reading the next week's chapter. So Matthew Lewis re- plays Neville Longbottom, and Imelda Staunton plays Dolores Umbridge. Which comes up in book five. five. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to our Nimbus analysis. So the Nimbus racing brood- brooms are widely known throughout the wizarding world. Um... The two kinds that are present in the series are the Nimbus 2000 and the Nimbus 2001. In book one, Harry gets a Nimbus 2000, which he keeps until his third year. In book two, Lucius Malfoy buys the entire Slytherin team Nimbus 2001 so that Draco can be on the team. You can buy the Nimbus 2001 broom from the Universal Store. It, I actually like went onto the website and looked at this. It's like an authentic, so it's an authentic replica. It has a metal stand. It looks exactly like it does in the movie. It's life size. It's like you could obviously you can't fly on it, but it's like a really cool. You, you know, you could get it and use it for like if you're cosplaying. If you're gonna go to um, the what's it the Leaky Con, I think it's called. Um, it's like Comic Con, but for Harry Potter. Um, you know, if you're cosplaying, you could get like it. And yeah, uh, it is an ebony black broomstick with a golden Nimbus 2001 written on the top of the handle, and it measures four feet and nine inches. It costs three hundred dollars. Would yep. you guys get one if you had the chance? I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I have nowhere to keep that. Okay, so there's also a replica of the Nimbus 2000, and it costs $349. The 
This is a limited edition, and there are only 10,000 copy, 10, copies worldwide. It's from Cinema Replica, so if you want to get one, that it's Cinema Replica. I didn't, I'm not going to put the link in the description, because that's way too many links, but you can just look up Cinema Replica and Nimbus 2000, and it'll come up. Yeah. Um, so every broom is numbered, and there is a metal plate of authenticity included. It has a mahogany handle and a weeping willow wood bristle. Um, there are removable footrests on both positions and has and has an engraved handle with the Nimbus 2000 logo. Which is just saying Nimbus. It literally, like, the, their logo is just Nimbus 2000. Yeah. So this broom is life-size, which is really cool. Just like the other one, you can use it for cosplaying, you know, Halloween costumes. It's just so much... I think it's just so much better than going to Universal and getting those, like, really small ones that are probably, like, $40 when you could get these really cool ones. And, I mean, they're expensive, but they could be more. So, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just cool to have that. And you can put it up on your wall or whatever. So, uh, The Nimbus 2000 is a high-end broomstick from the Nimbus Racing Room Company. It, the Nimbus 2000 was the Harry's first broom when you, which he received from Professor McGonagall. So, the Nimbus Racing Broom Company was formed in 1967 by Devlin Whitehorn. And we actually have this card. It's like a chocolate frog card from Wizarding World. Yeah, it's not read the, this at the end? No, just read it now because that's when we're okay. talking about Devlin. But, so, this isn't the card from, you know, like when you go to Universal Studios and, and you, you get, get those chocolate cho- those big ones that like are like a block of chocolate. Yeah, it's not you that. Get, you get a wizarding. But this isn't the card, card that we have. We have the card from like yeah. the little the little white packages that are like Wizarding World ones. Yeah. So, go ahead. So, uh, this is about Devlin Whitehorn. Let me read this. Devlin Whitehorn created the Nimbus Racing Room Company. It, he helped design Nimbus Brooms, which revolutionized the game of Quidditch. A master flyer, he is a Quidditch fan who enjoys watching and playing the game wherever he can. Yep. Um, so, the R- Nimbus Racing Room Company is known for its amazing racing brooms. Their first racing broom was the Nimbus 1000, which was revolutionary because it reached speeds up to 100 miles per hour, and it could turn 360 degrees midair. How fast can the Nimbus 2000 go? I don't know. I just want to look this up real quick. How fast can a yeah. Nimbus to yeah, you type really loudly. Oh, well, I don't know. That's it's the, the same. It's probably it's probably smoother. That's probably what it has to do. It's not just how fast it can go. It's probably. the same fastness. Okay, just keep, keep the Nimbus one thousand. <laughs> the Nimbus one thousand seven hundred ensured that the company seventeen hundred. You just say seventeen hundred. Oh, okay. The Nimbus seventeen hundred ensured that the company stayed on top of its field of racing brooms. So the was so there's another so this was kind of short, but we have one more article, and I'm not gonna like read the article word for word, but I'm gonna put it in the description if you want to read it word for word. So we're going to do, so, it's, like, things you could use broomsticks for other than flying. So we're just pretty much going to list things because I don't want to just read the article out. We're going to list things that you could do with the, use the broom to use it for. So drying your clothes. 
How you can hang you can, it, you can hang, hang it over the handle, and oh. and then you can just like let your broom just sit in the it's air. Yeah, a uh, low impact way to play with your pets. What I feel like you could chase your pet around. With it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> or like your if you want. You know how like cats are attracted to those um laser pointers. Yeah, yeah. I bet you you could kind of like go like that with the broom, like stick it out in front of you, and she can, they would just chase it or something. Yeah, or they would try to jump on it. Uh-huh. Carrying shopping. shopping bags. That's actually kind of like if you just want to walk or something, you could put them or getting them from like the getting them from your car to your house. You could you know put the Slide handles on the broom. Just let it levitate. And yes. Mm-hmm. Carrying. Sh- oh wait. Seasonal, Seasonal decorating. How? Um, uh, I guess like if you're you know Christmas time, you Halloween. put that broom on the wall. Or maybe Halloween. True. A witch it's probably, you can use it as a witch broom if you're. You could. Yeah. You could just. Cleaning. Carrying supplies. I mean, with cleaning the brooms, they don't look ideal for cleaning. Oh, wait, no. Like, if there's a cobweb in the corner you need to reach. Oh, yeah. They could carry your supplies for you. (laughs) So, yeah. So, the Nimbus episode, yeah, I know this part was kind of short. And, like, even our chapter was, chapter analysis was only, like, 20 minutes long. Um, It's because there's not a lot on Nimbus, but we felt that it was important to talk about separately from our overall brooms part, because we're gonna, we're gonna talk about brooms when we get to book three, probably, for when Harry gets another broom. Why don't we talk, why don't we, and we're, we're, we're we're gonna read Quidditch, we're also gonna do Quidditch to the Ages, so then you can have more background. Yeah, so that'll, you know, be once we finish the first seven books. But we're gonna read Quidditch to the Ages, yeah, so it's gonna take a little time. And then we'll talk about overall, like all the different kinds of broomsticks in book three. So you yes. can look forward to that. But this is just Nimbus. So thank you so much for listening. Yes. Um, thank you for listening. Uh yeah, this was a good episode. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, so and we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Wait, I feel like we have something else. Oh no, we don't have anything oh. else. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs>